I feel like we should disclose up front that we are recording this a day late, later than we normally record, just in case something is horribly, horribly wrong with the editing. <laughs> we have an excuse we can fall back on, right? Yeah, sure. I'll take a scapegoat any day of the week. Welcome to episode 387 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach, and you're right here. Welcome back for another episode. How you doing, Brian? I'm good. Is that your new call sign? You know, I'm trying it on. It's been three episodes. Yeah, Marshall. You should change your Twitter bio. Marshall, in your right ear. <laughs> there you go. It's just my display <laughs> just name. In, just in your right ear. I like that. Okay. Well, I don't know. I feel a little bit of pressure to mirror you and say, you know, Brian coming in hot in your left ear. Yeah. I don't know if I'd use that language, but... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. All right. We got a good episode coming up. We got a huge outline. We're not going to get through it all, but we will somehow. Let's get started. First up, huge thank you to our Golden Ratio supporter, Copilot. Yeah. The one of what? 16 apps that's made it onto the Marshall Bach iOS home screen. Yeah. For me, I'm sitting like top 15 apps on my home screen so yeah and and worthy of that station what is copilot though brian copilot is the best way to budget and manage your finances makes it really easy to just track where your money is going how you're spending and ideally help you save for the future we love it we genuinely use it it is legitimately on our home screens we think you're gonna like it too go to copilot.money to download it right now stop waiting copilot.money it's great thanks copilot Okay, we also have some new very important pixels. Quite a uh, we have few. a lot. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is this is week three in a row of weeks where like when the list gets pasted into our notes, it's like, holy shit. Thank you everyone for coming through. Just a side note, we are very, very close to crossing that five hundred patron threshold. Uh, so we're getting close to a little nice milestone moment. So thank you everyone this week that's helping us get there. Shout outs to Tim S, Olivier Ifra. Tanner Aiden, Alisa Zukova, Nordy Vlasman, Anuja Upadie, Casey, Paulina Dara, Mirko Poloni, Johannes, Jason Lockwood, Gary Moran, Marshall Uhls. Very important call out here. Marshall with one L. Yeah, yeah. I'm still unique, Brian. Yeah. I don't know, Matt. The one L is very clean, crisp, <laughs> simple, minimal. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll stay with my two L's. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we got to distinguish anyways. All right, continuing on, shout outs to Xenalon, Joshua Gittos, Zoe Lee, Sumir Hibia, Kara Brashears, Daniel Hermoso, Lakshman Ramesh, Simon Hua, Ashish Negi, and Alexander Duffner. Wow. Okay, what's your what's your take? Do you think my hit rate there was above 80% or below 80%? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think about 80%. Probably okay. safe. Okay. I think you got Marshall right. Yeah, I feel confident on the Marshall part. A couple others, maybe I'm feeling some confidence. Anyways, thank you all for bearing through another yes. installment of Brian Messes Up, the pronunciation of your name. Yeah. But legitimately, thank you very much for supporting the show this week. Yeah, more importantly, thank you for becoming Vips. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, which means that listeners like you, yes, you, you, Sandra, 
in Ohio. Sandra in Ohio. Yeah. Listeners like you make this show possible. Every single week, people contribute to help us pay for our software, hardware, and just to put in the time to produce, edit, and release this every week. If you've been enjoying the show, even if this is your first time listening, and you think you're going to enjoy it, uh, consider supporting us. You can do that at patreon.com slash design details. Look, it starts at just a dollar a month. We've tried to make this as accessible as possible. We want everyone in the Patreon eventually. Uh, it's very cheap, but that's intentional because we want everyone to kind of come along for the ride, but also make the podcast sustainable at the same time. So uh, what do you get? If you go to patreon.com slash design details and you support us, you'll get access to a new supporter-only segment of every episode called The Sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. The Sidebar is basically like an extra half of the episode. Think of it like an extra listener question, a bonus cool thing, but design-specific. We'll talk about design tips and tricks. For example, this week, we actually answered a listener question talking all about how to design critique when you don't have all of the context. So if you want to hear more about design critique and how to get better at it, or you just want to support the show and make it possible for us to continue doing this every single week, we'd really appreciate it. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash design details. Boy, I really hope that there's a Sandra in Ohio that just freaked out earlier, Brian. <laughs> if we get a Sandra this week, we know that something happened. Yeah, something, yeah. something really magical happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think that happened one time before where, where we named a random person in a random place and there was that person with that name in that place. And yeah, I mean, I'm down to keep this bit going. Let's yeah. do it every week until it happens it's again. It's like Mad Libs <laughs> for, for names and places. I love it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, okay, before we get to your monologue, Marshall, we got this really nice tweet. Last week, we had a new VIP join the fam. Stevanis Satria hey. and Stevanis tweeted and said the next MMORPG I play character shall be a wizard hailing from the Northland <laughs> wielding a powerful electric guitar uh, happy to be part it. of the fam <laughs> so good. nice little tweet follow-up excellent okay I think we should uh press on Marshall all right let's get into this main topic Brian I have so many things to say I'm probably not going <laughs> to get through all of them maybe this will get split up into a couple parts but I will do my darndest to get through all this stuff. And all this stuff is stuff that I want you to learn and hopefully employ in your own craft work. So okay. these aren't rules. These aren't laws. These aren't things you have to do. But I have found that they have made me a better craftsperson, if that makes okay. sense. All right. mm -hmm. So take them or leave them. But, you know, your you colleagues will probably <laughs> thank you if you take them. And I think you'll thank yourself if you take them. All right. So. We're going to start big and talk about the canvas. So hmm. uh, my first piece of advice is to, to utilize the canvas. Now, the way the canvas works is it's broken up into four quadrants. And dead center in that canvas is 0, 0. So 0, X, 0, Y. Negative Y is up. Negative X is left. Positive X is right. Positive Y is down. So I think of the canvas in those four quadrants. And I always start... Which is a little weird that positive Y is down. But yes, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know... Zero, zero, top left, that's like an inch thing, I guess. But um, the bottom right quadrant in that square is the positive space. And that's where I put all of my mocks. So my first mock, my top leftmost mock frame artboard, whatever you call it, is always at zero, zero. And I work to the right and down from there. And I, I usually do flows and rows is, is kind of, I guess, the way I do it. But to start at zero, zero is just good hygiene. I think... Um, when you start in a random spot in the canvas, it's just really easy to let it get out of control. So when you first create the file, when you first make that first artboard, 
putting it in zero, zero is just setting yourself up for success. All right. Uh-huh. So that's the positive quadrant in the bottom right, but there's these three other quadrants that we can use, right? So what do you use those for? Up to you. Here's how I do it. I usually put my reference. So if there's like mood board stuff or like old mocks that I want to match, I'll usually put those in the negative negative quadrant. So top left. And I'll put the components that I've made in the bottom left quadrant to the left of my mocks. So I can kind of shuttle left and right between those. And then I'll use the top right quadrant for a playground. So I'll mess around up there. So I'm usually spending most of my time in the bottom right, but I can always shift over to the left to mess around with those components and see them really easily or go up into the playground to mess around with stuff. You can use it however you want to, but that's worked out pretty well for me. So moving on from that, I was talking about artboards earlier. You start at zero, zero. Once you dupe that first artboard or create a new artboard, there's going to be a default distance that the next artboard is created from that first one. In Figma, it's 40. In Sketch, I think it's 100. I'm not sure what it is in other ones, but there's probably a default amount that they're spaced apart. Instead of setting that to whatever you want it to be, and every time you create a new artboard, you're like moving it over so it's a certain distance apart. I, I love organization, Brian, but I think this is one of the ones that's uh, unnecessary. Just roll with that default. Um, you're going to spend so much time adjusting it, you're, you're better off spending your time doing something else, like naming layers or something like that. You can yeah. always come back later and do a batch organization if you'd like. Can I, can I just interject here? Yeah. I feel like one of the most delightful product design features at Figma, I don't know what other tools also have this, but when your shit is super messy and you highlight it all and Figma has a little button that is called tidy up. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. <laughs> like the naming of it, the way it works. I mean, for the most part, like when it works, it works really well. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's the perfect name for the feature. Anyways, yes. Yeah. Continue. Yeah, use tidy up all the time. Or if you're really diligent, you don't need to use it because it was already tidy. <laughs> <laughs> that is not me. I'm tidying up all the time. Yeah. So there are other defaults that you don't necessarily want to roll with. So by default, you'll have a certain styling for when you draw a rectangle or a circle or something like that. You can change that default. So there's like set default properties, I think is what it is in Figma. I forget what it's called in Sketch, but there's some corollary where it's like you can change that initial styling. So every time you draw a rectangle, you don't have to like get rid of the stroke and like change yeah. the background fill. You can set this up so it's like a reasonable default state. Wait, what are, what are your defaults? I, I have a black box that I draw, it, oh. and then I'll use the numbers to change opacity. So if I'm just blocking something out real quick, I can just drop them down to 50% and they overlay so I don't have to change the colors. I can just use a, yeah. that opacity to, to show the containers. Mm. Yep. So that's one thing that you can change is the style. You can also change your, we talk about this all the time, but you can change your large and small nudge amounts. So if you're working on an eight-point grid and your large nudge amount, when you hit shift arrow to move something, is 10, you, sh- you can change that to 8 so you don't have to go big one, back two, big one, yeah. back two. You know? I, I did large nudges 4, which might be a little too tedious for most mm. people, but I find that I'm always landing on like 12s and 20s, so I just went with 4. Yeah, whatever works best for you, it's, a, it's supposed to be a time saver. So yeah, to recap that little section, roll with the defaults if you can't change them, but if you can change them, change them to something that's reasonable that you won't have to change every single time. It gets annoying. All right, so the last little section here is organizing as you go. So I've been alluding to this, but one thing that I do, and this is maybe maniacal, Brian, but I name everything as I go. Um, Uh Uh-huh. Not not necessarily text (laughs) labels, because usually the the placeholder is what the label is called. So 
that's fine. But when I create a frame or, or any sort of grouping, I'm naming that thing because that grouping means something, right? And like I said, this might sound maniacal and it might seem like a lot of work to do, especially if you're exploring, but it's going to benefit you later because every time that you create a duplicate of that exploration, you're duplicating your lack of organization or you're duplicating the work that you've already done. So if you just do it the first time and do it while you're thinking of it, you're like, okay, I'm putting these two things together. These two things together become a new name of a thing, whether that's header uh-huh. or card yeah. or whatever. Just yeah. call it what it is. There's a keyboard shortcut. You don't have to click on anything. Just like command R or whatever it happens to be in your application. Type a few letters and hit enter and you're done. You don't ever have to think about that again. Every duplicate you ever make of that thing will be properly named. Likewise, oh. Oh, go ahead. Okay, can I can I fight you on this? Yeah, yeah, please. Here's the thing. I don't think you're wrong. I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm just going to say I do it different. And I thought I could offer how I do it different for you know other people who aren't as maniacal as you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the way I go about this is, I guess, almost in like waves. Like if my work is a wave, I'm like building up, building up, building up a ton of debt and it sort of crests. And then I'll have this milestone moment where like, okay, I've gotten to a point where I actually think I'm in the right direction. I'm going to pause and I'll clean up this thing. And then that becomes my new sort of clean slate. Like everything is named, organized. I deleted all the hidden layers, all that kind of stuff. And then that becomes my new base going forward. But I don't name as I go until the next crest of the next wave. I find, I don't know, like when I'm in Figma, I feel like I'm trying to execute very, very quickly because ultimately, I mean, you and I feel different about this, but I feel like for me, the Figma mocks are mostly throwaway. Like my job is to just get the variants on the screen as quickly as possible. And I can use the tool to get them to be correct mathematically, like laid out correctly. Mm-hmm. But ultimately for me, the naming and grouping doesn't matter as much. So my job, or the way I think about it is I want to get to like the, the best solution as fast as possible. And when I get to that best solution, okay, now I'm going to pause name it, clean it all up, make sure auto layout is perfect, all the math is right. And then if I need to do another iteration on this, like off I go and kind of repeat that cycle rather than locking myself into a decision early on that I feel even the most microscopic emotional attachment to. Um, Like I never want to feel that in the exploratory phase. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, and I, I, I think that's how I used to do it. I've, oh shit! I've so just you evolved. Yeah, I've evolved. You just got better. To a, I'm just better than you, Brian. Um, yeah. No, I've if, yeah, my my process has evolved to. It just has become part of my muscle memory. It's like I create a new thing, I dupe a thing, I group a thing, I name it right afterwards. Uh, uh-huh. It's just part of the thing my left hand does. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. I prefer to do it this way just because I can look back through that layer list and I don't have to be like, oh, what was frame 483? What was mm-hmm. I doing with this thing? Like, it's, it's all just named. And that's another thing to keep track of is like, there are certain objects that will get named a generic name and then a space and then a number. If you see those things in your layer list, like look at the number after that word. Like, is it rectangle 2000 something or frame a million whatever like those numbers should not be double digits like that's that's oh, kind of my Marshall. own thing it's like uh, i don't let those you're get to gonna double digits. hate my figma files mm-hmm. <laughs> well that's the thing is like i would not be able to use your file like when you hand it off to me as another designer or if you just want feedback or whatever here come check out my thing 
I can't tell what you're trying to do because I don't know what that grouping means. Maybe I can figure it out through context, but like, I don't know what you were thinking when you made it, right? It's a way of okay, communicating you're right. to others. You're, you're right on the collaboration part. But again, that for me feels like a crest in the wave. Like as soon as I hit that moment, it's like, okay, I'm at a spot where I, I think actually I would be willing to show this to somebody or critique it. And that's like the time to clean it up. Anyways, I won't harp on it. I feel like your system is just more disciplined and diligent than mine is, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I, I'm sloppy, sloppy work in progress person. And it's not entirely altruism too. Like I'm, I'm also trying to help myself in the future when I come back to this thing four months from now or whatever for version two. It's like, what the hell was I thinking? What was this? I'm, I'm communicating with anybody who sees it in the future, myself included, probably mm-hmm. foremost in that list. So name everything. All right. And hopefully you don't have uh, the same um, objection to this one, but on that same note, I also constrain things as I add them. So if I'm creating a section header, for example, and there's like a right aligned icon, I'm setting that motherfucker to center right alignment uh-huh. instead of top <laughs> left because it's always going to be uh-huh. top left. And God forbid you try and resize these things. Nothing will work right. Yeah. And even then, like whenever possible, I will use auto layout or smart layout because like then I don't really have to think about anything. I set the padding once. I set the height once. And I choose that logic once. And then however I use it, however I want to do it in the future, I can just grab that. I can come grab this a year mm, from now and be like, yeah, oh, I built ooh. that once a year from now. <laughs> Let me just grab that. And it's ready to go. You uh-huh. know? See, here, you and I are much more closely aligned. On the the function of the, the mock or the way things will stack or, or will resize, I'm definitely a stickler for constraints. Almost, actually, you know what, Marshall? When mm. Auto Layout V3 came out, I think we had like a mini critique session on it. Mm-hmm. And we talked about like some parts that were confusing and all that. Yeah. Zoom forward, what, two months? I think I put Auto Layout on literally every frame. Yep. Like, I don't know that I don't have Auto Layout applied to every single element on my Figma canvas because there's no reason not to. There's no reason not to defer layout to the computer and just never worry about it again. Anyways, I don't know. Maybe I'm just compulsive on the op- opposite side of like the workflow here. But yeah, I've, I definitely agree with this. Like constrain everything as you go, just because that actually makes iteration much faster, right? Mm-hmm. Makes it faster. makes it easier to add stuff. Like, oh, I wanted two icons on the right instead of one. Or I just mm-hmm. dupe that thing and everything. It, yeah. It's like fill container and all that stuff hugs to the right side and everything. It's like, this is exactly how it's supposed to work. It's way faster if I set it up one time, the first time, and then every yeah. future iteration becomes that much easier. Can I interrupt you one more time yeah, with, sure. with another little pro tip here? Yeah. You know how sometimes when you copy and paste stuff and it just like appears in random places? Uh-huh. Do you know the rules for where it gets pasted? I feel them in my bones. I'm not sure I could enumerate them on paper, but like I, I could probably guess pretty well in any given context what's going to happen, yeah. Okay. So the rule is... I mean, I actually don't know this from a code perspective. Maybe it's programmed slightly different in Figma. But when you copy something, it also copies the XY position in that element's parent frame. So then if you paste it somewhere else, it will try and paste that XY. In Figma? I know Sketch did this really well, actually. Sketch does this really well. I haven't had that same, I don't know, maybe it's because I use auto layout everywhere and I don't give the opportunity to try to do the right thing anymore. Well, yeah. so this is the reason where why if you wanted to copy and paste something into a bunch of different frames, it's very important to paste it into the first frame 
position it to the right location, mm -hmm. and then recopy it again because mm -hmm. it will grab the new XY coordinates that when you paste it into the subsequent frames, it'll just paste in the correct location and you don't have to nudge it every time. Mm. Anyways, this has been your pro tip interjection. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I was just going to keep going on with the constraint thing. This is, this is the last thing before I'm done talking, done monologuing. So by constraining things, you're forcing yourself to think about the logic of how it will be engineered. So, you know, like I want this text width to expand all the way as far as it can be, or these two have to share this space horizontally, or I want this to make sure it always pushes the thing over, or this thing down, or whatever it happens to be. You're thinking about that structural logic, and constraints do that for you. So that can even communicate to the engineer when they look at your mocks. Instead of having to do red lines, they can just look at your constraints and know exactly what you intended, right? Mm -hmm. So I always use my constraints very intentionally. I just don't let it do its top left thing. A lot of times you want it to do the top left thing, and that's cool. That's why it's the default. But... If it's not top left, make sure you're intentionally setting it to whatever you want it to actually be. Yeah, I love it. Cool. All right. Well, that's part one of uh, what okay. are we calling this design craft tips and tricks? Yeah, I, I agree. We we got to <laughs> split this. Otherwise, this would be a, an hour and a half episode. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Part one, design craft tips and tricks. Tune in next week for part two. Hopefully you enjoyed <laughs> this first part. This is This is the more like foundational stuff i'm about to get into some really crazy stuff next week <laughs> oh a little Ooh. teaser a little yeah. double teaser there Maybe yeah hanging mm. all right cool well let's get into cool things and get out of here yeah you go first okay this is a cool thing which i've been using for two years if not longer now and i can't believe i haven't thought of it as a cool thing um if you are like me and you get these targeted advertisements for just like a random direct to consumer products that are probably overpriced and like seem to fill this really tiny specific problem in your life. Mm -hmm. uh, you might have seen ads for a company called Artifox. Does that ring a bell to you, Marshall? Have you ever seen these ads? No. Okay. Artifox, A-R-T-I-F-O-X. Theartifox.com. Theartifox.com. Okay. And they make like modern home accessories and they're usually like pretty nice. Like they look good. They're expensive. I only have one thing of theirs and it's their desk riser. Uh, they call it lift and I have the walnut version oh. and here's what I really like about it. Okay. So if you go on, you look at it, you're like lift. Okay. It's a, it's a little stand that sits on your desk. It has two layers. There's like a little shelf underneath. Mm -hmm. The best part is that the top surface is magnetic, which means mm. all your magnetic shit just stays in place. And so for me, I have my Apple Watch charger yeah. like nestled in and it all I have the the stainless steel one and so it's magnetic. Mm -hmm. And that sticks to my desk in a specific location. Mm. Is it stronger than the magnet on the watch? So when you pull the watch away, it doesn't take the charger with it? It is for the watch. It's strong enough to hold that in place. Okay. Otherwise, it's not so strong that you really feel too much tension but it just keeps your stuff in place in a really nice way. And in fact, Artifox, I think almost all of their stuff is kind of designed to be like Legos in this way. Like most of their things integrate magnets in some way so that Love they it. can be combined and stacked and all this kind of stuff. So anyways, that's my cool thing. I tweeted a long time ago. I was like, do you remember, Marshall, when we were but children and getting a magnet close to a computer was literally the scariest, worst <laughs> thing you could do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're going to destroy your life because mm -hmm. they got the hard disks. Well, every single piece of electronic 
equipment that I own has a magnet in it these days. Like yeah. It's really cool how far we've come technology-wise where magnets can actually change the entire user experience of these things that we used to be so scared of getting uh, magnets next to. I love it. Yeah. Cool. Cool thing. All right. My cool thing this week is a book that I'm reading, Brian. I just started it. Bold move, recommending the book before you finished it. Okay. Well, you know what? The, the reason that I wanted to recommend it is because it's doing magic in a way that I've never seen before, and it's really interesting. I don't know okay. if the book's going to be great. I mean, it's not like top tier, but it, I have a feeling it's going to be candy, but I'm cool with candy. So Okay. It's called Mistborn colon The Final Empire. It's it's by Brandon Sanderson. It's like a it's a fantasy world. <laughs> can you imagine? Sorry, can you imagine if Neo was Mr. Sanderson in the Matrix? <laughs> Mr. Mr. Sanderson. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I keep cutting you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're good. Uh, but what's really really cool about this is the way they do magic is they call it allomancy. Allo meaning like alloy. So the magic is based off of metals. Like there are only certain people who can do the magic and there's a bunch of different metals and each metal has a different property that, that enhances in you, whether that's strength or your senses or your ability to adjust other people's feelings or even like push and pull metal. But only some people can use those things and most people who can use them can only use one. And those are called mistings, but there's another kind called the mistborn, and they can use all of the metals. And of course, our main character is this like street rat urchin girl, but she's kind of learning that she is one of these mistborn, and she's she's our Mister Anderson, right? So I'm really enjoying it. It's it's super cool that they're using magic in this way of like you drink a vial of mixed metals and you mm-hmm. you what they call it they call it burning metals so you'll burn tin so that you, your eyesight increases and your ears can hear better and you can feel yeah um, like plus eight dexterity kind of thing yeah exactly or you'll you'll burn steel so that you can push on any metal around you or you'll burn iron so that you can pull on it i'm probably messing those up but like the idea of like burning metals is the way magic works and once you like Go through all of your metals that you have in your body. You can't do the magic anymore, so you have to like keep separate files on you and stuff. And it's just a really interesting way to do magic, and I'm I'm enjoying it. There's it's kind of like a heist tale. That's what's kind of cool about okay. this. It's like it's a it's the main character is trying to like fuck over the big bad evil ruler guy who kind of rules okay. the entire land, and so it's a, it's a heist story to take this guy down. So, Mistborn colon the Final Empire. It's 24 hours on audiobook, right? I love it. Okay, that's not bad. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed this. Let us know what you thought. Um, It sounds like we're going to do a follow-up on some more design craft tips and tricks next week. If you have things that are rattling in your brain that you feel like other people should know about, tweet at us. Let us know. If it makes sense, we will include them in next week's episode. Otherwise, tweet at us anyways. We love hearing what you think about every episode each week. If you have your own listener question, be sure to go to our GitHub, github.com slash design details slash design details and open an issue and uh, we would love to talk about it in a future episode. If you enjoyed this week's episode and want to support us, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash design details. If you go there and support us for just a dollar a month, you'll get access to the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. It's like a bonus segment. It's a complete episode, usually an extra listener question or a cool thing or design tip and trick. This week, we answered a bonus listener question and we talked all about how to critique without context. 
So if you want to hear about how to get better at design critique, be sure to support us at patreon.com slash design details. That's it. We'll catch you next week. Bye. You know, here's my thinking on supernatural beings, okay? Okay. I would be super pissed if there were humans that could be born with superpowers. Uh huh. And you weren't? And I weren't. Uh, yeah, no. Like, yeah. I'm fine that we're all in the same boat, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool? Well, at least nobody else can. <laughs> but if somebody else on the planet was just born and they could, like, fly or, like, breathe underwater shit. Yeah, man. you're like Billy from The Incredibles or whatever the, you know, syndrome. When everyone's special, no one will be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man, is this your origin story? Are you a villain, Brian? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> In a world of superpowers, I, I don't know which way I'd swing. Maybe villain? I don't know. Guess we'll never know, Marshall. <laughs> Chaotic good, Brian.